What's up, citizens of Apologia? This is King Ginger, and I just wanted to take a moment to encourage you all to sign up for Apologia All Access. When you sign up for Apologia All Access, you're going to get exclusive on-demand content. This means that you and your entire family are going to get to watch every single TV show, every single after show, and every single Apologia Academy with new content dropping every single week. But most importantly, your contribution helps Apologia Studios create quality Christ-centered entertainment that reaches millions of people on our YouTube channels and through our podcast with the gospel. So what are you waiting for? Change everything at ApologiaRadio.com. Non-rock-a-boatus must stop. I don't want to rock the boat. I want to sink it. Are you going to bark all day, little doggy, or are you going to bite? Delusional is okay in your worldview. I'm an animal. You don't chastise chickens for being delusional. You don't chastise pigs for being delusional. So you calling me delusional using your worldview is perfectly okay. It doesn't really hurt. <laughs> you hung up on me. Yeah! Yeah! What? What? Desperate times call for faithful men and not for careful men. The careful men come later and write the biographies of the faithful men, lauding them for their courage. Go into all the world and make disciples. Not go into the world and make buddies. Not to make brosives. Right. Don't go into the world and make homies. Right. Disciples. I got, I got a bit of a jiggle neck. <laughs> That's a joke, Pastor. When we have the real message of truth, we cannot let somebody say they're speaking truth when they're not. Grace to you and peace from him who is and who was and who is to come. And from the seven spirits who are before his throne and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead and the ruler of kings on earth. To him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood and made us a kingdom. Priests to his God and father, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever Amen. Amen. <laughs> I'm here. Welcome. Hey, welcome to the show, guys. All right, guys. You're listening to the gospel heard around the world. This is Apologia Radio. Get us at ApologiaRadio.com. Pick up some past episodes. Listen to the great guests and subjects we've done. Awesome time of year to have a radio show. Let me tell you what. All kinds of things happen in the world. We can address using the word of the living God and bring the gospel into our cultural context. That's the bear over there. What up? They call him Luke Pearson. <laughs> That's King Ginger. How's it going? They call him Marcus Pittman. The bear formerly known as Luke Pearson. That's right. We got in the back G-Lo working the ones and twos. G-Lo, what's up? Hey, 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 what's up? And of course, in the studio, getting the studio ready for uh, filming for our TV show and all that is... Uh, Carmen. We're going to have Four Known on the show today. Four Known! And we're breaking down the set because he's going to do a performance in the studio. Yeah. Yes, sir. So as soon as we're done recording the TV show, we're going to break it down and we're going to film some more. I actually have a musical guest in the studio. Yeah, nice. a musical guest. A good That's one. Fun. Yeah, a really good one. A good Humble one, Beast. too. A good one. Yeah. yeah. So. Humble Beast. 
You can right. get that at All Access if you sign up for All Access, $7.95 a month. ApologiaRadio.com. Just donate $7.95 a month. You get yep. all that stuff. And the Academy, which, by the way, the Apologetics one is done. John Sampson filmed his first one. That'll be up really, really soon. Yeah, and you were not there for that. Yeah, that was there for the very end of it. It was awesome. I had the flu. It was just a very foundational presentation of the gospel. Yeah. Good. Excellent. It's so, taking a little longer to finish because we got to translate. And from British. Translate British. Yeah. 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 Apology <laughs> Academy yeah. on soteriology, the doctrines of grace. Get your training. You're going to have required reading. You're going to get additional resources. It's going to be excellent. And uh, yeah, participate with us. Join with this ministry. Speaking of ministry and great things happening, uh, I want to point you guys to reformcon.org. Reformcon.org, June 1st through 4th in the Phoenix Metro, the Metro Phoenix area. We're going to be in Tempe, Arizona at Arizona Community Church, June 1st through 4th. Dr. James White, my buddy, one of my heroes, Dr. James White, myself, John Samson, Samson Claus, and Dr. Scott Oliphant from Westminster Theological Seminary, professor of apologetics, author of the book Covenantal Apologetics. He is a beast when it comes to apologetics and epistemology, philosophy, and somebody else. And some more. Special We're going to have guest. also Reformed Pubcast. Les and Tanner are coming. Mm-hmm. Vocab Malone. I know I'm going to forget somebody here. And we have a special guest. Are we going to announce him? Have you called him yet? No, well, no, I talked to him personally. He's he said, pretty much when? This week? No, no, but when we talked face-to-face oh, when we were in that place. Well, I got an email this week that said he's in. Okay. So we just got to well, confirm it. Okay, we'll button it down. But it's... Maybe we'll I'm, I'm really excited. Next week. Yeah, <laughs> excited. 99%. Okay. 99% booked. booked. So yeah. here's the thing. We have an early bird pricing. Um, and by the way, all of the funds that are made from this convention, all of the funds that are made are going to go towards a church plant on the island of Kauai, Apologia Church, Apologia Kauai. So when you come to this, not only are you going to get your learning on, not only are you going to get to fellowship with Christians from across the nation that love Jesus, love God's grace, love the word of God, not only are you going to get to meet uh, the staff of Apologia Radio and Dr. James White and all that, all of the funds that are made go towards planting a church on the island of Kauai. You get the early bird pricing right now for a limited Time. I think we only have about two more weeks. Reformcon.org. Get yo tickets. June 1st through 4th. Get signed up. All right. Luke. Yes. We put something out, didn't we? We're always putting something We're out. We're always putting something out now, but we put something out that's pretty awesome, and I'd like you to uh, play it for play a Sam. How about we'll you play a how taste? About you, how about you give everyone a little taste? Okay. What is it? Let's let Marcus tell us what it is. So the guy at our church, Zachary. Zach Attack. Zach Attack? Is that, is that what we call That's what I've named him. Okay, Zach Attack. Uh, we were in Kauai. Glory, glorious beard. Yes. I mean, it is he, just amazing. He does have the best beard at Apology. Yeah, he, he really does. It. And me and Jeff and him and his wife drove around in Kauai the whole week. And he told me that he does spoken word. And I was like, what? Really? And he was like, yeah, I do spoken word. I was like, well, we got to film something. And, and... Like a week or two later, he sends me the first thing, and it was way too long. It was like 10 minutes long. I was like, can't do a video in 10 minutes. Make one that's specifically for video. And like a week after that, he sent it to me, and I was like, wow, that's awesome. And then he said, I'm available Saturday to film it. And I was like, okay. And so we just went and filmed it. 
and it turned into this really great thing. In my mind, it was really random, but the spoken word, we shot it right outside of Planned Parenthood. Mm. Like, we put our feet all on their couch. Yeah. And <laughs> we are like, right out there. To quote Rusty Thomas. Yeah. We're renting space in their brains. We're renting space in Planned Parenthood's brains. Yeah. <laughs> this is it. This is it. So why don't you just play a preview? We're only going to play a preview because we want you to actually go to YouTube, actually subscribe, actually share it, like it, comment, thumbs up, everything. Push it. Let's yeah. make this thing go viral. Let's do it. Let's do it. All right. to life and the protection of our most defenseless neighbor is not an endeavor to be undertaken apart from the Lordship of Jesus Christ our Savior. Indeed, our labor is left in ruin, for if we do not define the miracle of life in terms of a design, then we cannot explain what it means to be truly human. If we separate the womb and its contents from the hand of God, we're left with nothing more than a clump of tissue. And when we divorce the power of the gospel from abortion, we make it merely a political issue. If that missed you, let me elaborate while the confusion is still fresh. God, the creator of life, took on human nature and became flesh. There you go. That's enough. We're just going to give you a taste. So where do you go to get it? YouTube. Apologia Studios. Search for that. On YouTube, it's one of the last videos that we posted there. Just check the archive there of videos. And you get to see Zachary Conover, Apologia Church member, doing spoken word on being pro-gospel in the abortion issue. The plan is to put out something on YouTube once a week now. Right on. So that's the goal. Right on. So whether it's some stuff from our TV show or, or... or something else that we're going to be maybe doing the evang- very soon. Maybe the evangelism, the hours of evangelism of the Mormon Temple might happen. Yeah, that'd be good. Yeah. We have we have more of that? Yeah, we have a lot more oh, of yeah. that. Okay. <laughs> we have like a lot more of that. <laughs> okay. okay. All right. So, hey, uh, let's talk about quick cultural things. By the way, I'm going to announce what's happening on the show. We're supposed to have Steve Camp, singer, songwriter, reformed pastor, yes. I believe, on uh, next segment to talk about his support of Donald Trump. Trump. He had for a little, president uh, for president of uh, the United States of the United States. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He commander in chief. A bit, yeah. Of, yeah, that's right. That's all yeah. those titles. The guy with his hands on the nuclear football. Yes, Donald Trump. Trump. Yes, mm-hmm. of Trump Towers. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Strip, <laughs> strip, strip club, <laughs> casino. That guy. Okay. Uh, so he had a little bit of a Twitter uh, conversation with Dr. James White uh, and Marcus, our producer. Saw it and said, well, we need to get him on the show. So we're going to get him on the show. We're going to talk about why would a Christian support Donald Trump for president of these United States? That's the commander in chief, by the way. He's the guy who uh, sends out nuclear weapons. <laughs> <laughs> and he, he can't control his tweets. Okay. Okay. All right. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Personally, for me, like the litmus test should be like, if you have diarrhea fingers, you shouldn't. Yeah. <laughs> I think his hair alone yeah. should disqualify yeah. him from this yeah. position. Di- diarrhea fingers should disqualify you as president you of the United States. Okay. Know. All right. Uh, <laughs> okay, quick in the news. Ronda Rousey, the uh, UFC MMA fighting champion, uh, lost 
uh, to Holly Holmes, right? Isn't that right? Uh, yes, yes. You, you would know that, right, Gilo? Aren't you into the the the? the no, not really, to no, be honest. But no, but you're big friends with uh, little hands, small hands. He, he's skinny jeans. Yeah, skinny <laughs> jeans. He yeah, loves. I, I, li- I lived with him for a year. I yeah. never, I never been into. Uh, he didn't the whole seduce UFC you. MMA. No, he didn't I'd... seduce you into. No, no, not no? really. Okay, all right. No. Well, Ronda Rousey uh, had uh, her face kicked in by a girl named Holly. Yes, and, she did. Uh, she got uh, She got annihilated. Uh, she got annihilated, and she was. She's an amazing fighter, and she is an amazing fighter. And uh, Holly Holmes beat her, uh, but. She was just on Ellen uh, talking about what happened, uh, how she actually felt after she was beat by Holly. And this is interesting. It has everything to do about our identity. Now, this gets real serious for a second here. Um, If our identity is wrapped up in ourselves, in our failures, in who we are, uh, ultimately, if we make ourselves an idol or what we do an idol, uh, false gods never satisfy real spiritual needs. And so she was crushed. She was broken. It was actually pretty difficult to watch. She was just really destroyed. Uh, this is her on Ellen talking about um, how she felt after uh, the, the fight. And uh, she says that she had thoughts of suicide. Did you worry for a minute? Like, could this be permanent? Did I really hurt myself? And maybe I'll, I won't do this again? No, to be honest, like what I was thinking, like, my, honestly, like my thought, I was like, I was like uh, in the medical room and I was like down in the corner. I was sitting in the corner and I was like, what am I anymore if I'm not this? And I was literally sitting there and like thinking about killing myself in that exact second. I'm like, I'm nothing. I'm like, what do I do anymore? And no one gives a shit about me anymore without this. And, and um, to be honest, I looked up and I saw my man, Travis, was standing there and I was looked up at him and I was just like, I need to have his babies. I need to stay alive. <laughs> That was like, really, that was Wow. Okay. So, this is important stuff. It really, really is important, important stuff. Um, And where do you, where do you, where do you start with that? So, Ronda Rousey sees really her whole life apart from God, her identity as... I'm Ronda Rousey, the MMA fighter, the UFC champion. That's who I am. And so everything in her life is wrapped up in this idol of self and what she's accomplished and who she is. And when she lost all that, when that was taken away from her, she lost all sense of meaning and purpose and value. And and I think that just goes to show the bankruptcy of the unbelieving worldview, a worldview that is set as a standard apart from Jesus Christ always robs you and leaves you broken. That's the truth. I mean, if you think about the fact that God in his word says that he creates us uniquely, he knits us together in our mother's womb, we are fearfully and wonderfully made, we're made in the imago dei. We have, um, by virtue of the fact that we're image of God, we have inherent value and dignity because we are imago dei. We are in the image of the living and true God. And our identity is supposed to be ultimately wrapped up in who we are as creatures under God and ultimately as believers in Christ. And so when you think about being a believer, you're, you're in Christ. It's, it's something that Paul says over and over and over. Um, he writes much of the New Testament and he uses the terminology in Christ over 70 times and he uses other wording to describe the same thing in other places. But when you think about our identity in Jesus, when you come to Christ, you are not wrapped up in your failures, your sins, all of your falling short. You are in Christ God's child. 
You are a friend of God. You have been justified, declared righteous. You have peace with God through the Lord Jesus Christ. You are no longer condemned. You're united to Christ. You've been bought with a price. You belong to God. You're a member of God's uh, holy people. You've been chosen by God, adopted adopted by God as a child, as a son. You've been redeemed. You've been bought out of slavery, forgiven of all your sins. You're complete in Jesus Christ. You have access, bold and confident access to God's throne in Jesus Christ. You have been raised up with Jesus, brought back from the dead. You are seated with Jesus in the heavenly places. That is lofty stuff, lofty, amazing stuff. Your life is hidden with Christ and God. And this just goes to show the bankruptcy, the utter poverty of any worldview, of any way of thinking outside of a biblical worldview. Because you have a woman like Ronda Rousey who is so good at what she does. She is an excellent fighter. She really, really is good. But she lost to somebody better. And because she lost to somebody that's better, she feels like, now, who am I? I'm nothing. It's like she made herself a god. She made herself a god. And then that god got defeated, and she doesn't know who to turn to. Yeah. And so... Our only hope, our only hope is in Jesus Christ. Amen, it, goes, it, amen. It, it really is. When you talk about things like, you know, the Christian worldview and you talk about being in Christ, I mean, that's not just theological mumbo jumbo and, and gymnastics. That's not just like, well, in theory. I mean, this is the stuff of all of life. This is the stuff that, you know, if you don't know Jesus, then... You end up in places where you say, well, what, what is my life now? How is it worth living if I'm not the, the greatest fighter in the world? What do I have in this world if I'm not the greatest fighter in the world? Nobody will love me. Nobody will see me as worthy of, of, of respect or of dignity because I'm not the champion anymore. Man, this is the stuff of life. All of the Christian worldview is all-encompassing, and all of it matters. Believe me, I'm going to tell you right now, this stuff with personal identity, that's the thing in a hospital where you sit in front of people who are trying to kill themselves or who have, who have just jumped off into the abyss of dark, mm-hmm. the, the dark abyss of drug and alcohol addiction. It's their identity. It's who they are. They feel lost. They feel lonely. They have no peace. They have no hope. They have no joy. And that's what the Bible says. Unbelievers are without hope and without God in the world. And that is what gets reversed in Jesus Christ is you have hope that is not a mere wishful thinking. It is guaranteed assurance. And you have God. You have God and you're adopted by him. You're loved by God. So I hope and pray that Ronda Rousey comes to find her hope not in being a champion once again, but her hope in Jesus Christ. Um, Wow. So uh, breaking news, breaking news, uh, Ted Cruz, before we get into the discussion about Donald Trump, uh, let's talk about Ted Cruz. Now, by the way, I want to say again, we've been talking the last couple of weeks that political issues are moral issues, so they matter to God. Political issues are moral issues, so they relate to the gospel. Every political issue has its origin in a moral issue, which means that it directly relates to Jesus Christ and his gospel, his authority, his rule. Even socialism? Even socialism. Wow. Stealing from people matters to God. There's something in the Bible about thou shalt not steal. And uh, so here you go. This is uh, on the campaign trail just to show you the kind of language that's being used, what's being talked about. Ted Cruz. This language is not being used. He's the only person I've heard that's yeah, true. done this as yeah. thoroughly as he has. It's pretty bold. It really is pretty bold. Ted Cruz uh, filmed a personal video. It looks like he's inside of his bus. And uh, he filmed a video about abortion. And uh, let me just say, me likey. I like it too. Here are some of the most powerful words spoken by Jesus in the New Testament. Truly I tell you, 
Whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. One of the main points of this teaching is to challenge us not to see ourselves as better or more important than others, but to instead be willing to defend the defenseless. And there's no person more defenseless than an innocent child in the womb. That's why no issue reveals the true character of a candidate for public office more than the life issue. It's more than a litmus test. It's a window to the soul. Ronald Reagan once observed that the right to life was the most important God-given right of them all. For if you're not alive, then everything else is sort of meaningless. The right to life cannot be compromised like other issues because a person can't be 80% alive and 20% dead. Either their right to life was protected or it wasn't. A candidate that can't be trusted to protect the right to life can't be trusted to protect any of our other God-given rights. Oh, ouch. Boom, boom, ouch. So good. boom. So good. Uh, commentary, gentlemen. Well, I think that, I mean, you go to someone like Bernie Sanders who thinks mm-hmm. it's okay to steal from people. Yeah. Right? And okay to kill people. I mean, it's, it's clear. I think there's a good presuppositional foundation as to how you think of human beings mm-hmm. in every political position like you said everything comes down to a moral issue yeah that's right so is it okay to kill people yes well then who cares if you steal from them that's right or like that's bernie right that's so, right exactly yeah. exactly are you gonna play the rest yeah you keep going maybe you go no i was i, I was gonna if just keep playing okay all right can you look at the voting records of politicians what you'll find is if they're bad on life they're always i repeat always bad on everything else too if a politician will rob a fellow person of their right to life Rest assured, they'll rob you of your private property rights, religious liberty, and look for new taxes and regulations to rob you of your hard-earned money as well. Liberty isn't safe in the hands of a politician that doesn't hold all life sacred. For anyone that doesn't hold life sacred can't possibly know what true liberty is or where true liberty comes from. Because the spirit of true American liberty comes from the Creator, in whose image we are fearfully and wonderfully made. Stop. <laughs> that was, Stop. That was I the just, part I, just, I was waiting for, I too. Just, I just need to just take it in. <laughs> take it in. Breathe. Yeah, it's powerful. How presuppositional is that? Yeah, I know. I mean, that is amazing. Like, he, it's it's founded, they started off with a Bible verse, rooted in, in an understanding of who humans are, created in God's image, and from there, every other political issue, mm. like... The, like I don't agree with everything that Ted Cruz right. stands for. I don't know. I don't think Ted Cruz has a completely thorough biblical understanding of you know theonomy, law, God's law, law, law and government. Right, but right. there's there's the part of me that goes, if he's elected, it would be a great blessing on our nation because I really do believe he fears God, doesn't take yeah. a bribe, is trustworthy, as as God requires for a political leader. And from there, I'm I'm okay to say, all right, Lord, mold his heart as you wish, as a river. Yeah, like I'm okay with that. I don't think I don't. I think there's some stuff going on with like homeschool regulation or something like that. I, yeah, I, don't, I, I haven't I, came out. I haven't read it. that, so yeah. I want to read that. But there's issues I don't like about Ted Cruz, but I'm okay to say, but it's in God's hands because He fears God. I would much rather have that. Yeah, than somebody who, you know, is you know a little bit uh, of a, of a trumpeter <laughs> of of stuff like mm. bad stuff mm. so was that was that intended i don't know we, we have to actually uh let's get steve camp on the line after well, the break let's go we need everything i was gonna go say ahead. i want to hear you say <laughs> no i mean he literally took the words out of my mouth okay i was gonna say the exact same thing he just said so well i think that um one of the 
things that we should always pay attention to in somebody that's running for political office, no matter who we're going to vote for, is do they fear God? Like you said, will they take a bribe? Are they submitted to Jesus Christ is a question that I ask. And I do appreciate any candidate um, standing on the word of God as their primary platform. When they start quoting Bible verses and they say, look, it all comes from God. Which God? We're talking about Jesus. I like when a political candidate says that and they're brave enough to say it. And I do agree with Ted Cruz here that this should be a litmus test for us because this issue is one of the fundamental issues in this next election. Will we continue to kill 3,000 babies a day in our nation? The current uh, leader of our nation is not submitted to Jesus Christ. He has destroyed human family, and he advocates for the murder of children in our nation. He is a wicked ruler, and I think we need to look for a ruler that's going to submit to Jesus Christ and protect the lives of babies. All right, guys, ApologiaRadio.com. Be right back. Stay with us. Little talk with Steve Camp, singer, pastor, reformed dude, loves God, and believes uh, Christians should vote for Donald Trump. Who breaking news, the Pope just said that Trump is not a Christian, so there's that. Gotta be true. Interesting. Be right back. What's up, y'all? This is Jeff Durbin with Apologia Radio at ApologiaRadio.com. Want to talk to you guys about an amazing connection that we have right now with Whitfield Theological Seminary. I want you to run over to Whitfield.edu, Whitfield.edu, W-H-I-T-E-F-I-E-L-D.edu. I want you to check out the programs they have. They have undergraduate programs at Whitfield College, and they also have Whitfield Theological Seminary for the graduate degree and above and beyond. I, I think you'll really be impressed with the rigorous nature of the classes, the consistent biblical worldview taught and adhered to. I want you to contact Whitfield Theological Seminary at whitfield.edu. Get a hold of our friend, Dr. Kenneth Talbot, and start your classes today. Apologiaradio.com. Like I said, it's a big year for Apologia Radio. Really is an excellent opportunity as Christians to bring the biblical worldview, the Word of God, into our cultural context because everybody's talking about political issues, the campaign, and all political issues relate to moral issues, which relate to, of course, gospel issues. And so we are privileged and honored to have as a guest today, uh, Steve Camp. Steve Camp, some of you guys may know. If you know Dr. James White, uh, you know, uh, you've, you've, you've heard Steve Camp because yes. if you listen to The Dividing Line, then you've heard uh, this song, which has played. Yeah, here it comes. What? What? Yeah. Every time I hear it, love this song. I get all rowdy because you know it's coming. You know it's going down. This is Steve Camp's song. I don't even know how many years has, had Dr. White played this. It must Long time. like from the nineties, maybe. And I don't then, even know. And then he went classical. Yeah. Then he uh, then it changed a bit. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, I, I think Steve can probably answer that for us. Steve, uh, when did you create that song, and how long has Dr. White been using it? 
I think he's been using it. First of all, great to be with you guys. Thanks for having me on the broadcast. Absolutely. Uh, I think he's been using it since the day uh, that it came out. Now, it didn't come out uh, in the 90s, but it came out probably, oh, man, 12, 14 years ago, something like that. So, wow. yeah, we had a... We had a great time with that, and for a while he was using my song, Run to the Battle, and then, you know, I'm concerned about James. He's really mellowed out in his old age. So I don't... <laughs> it's all that bike riding. He has no energy left. <laughs> bike riding, exactly. And all those lattes at midnight. He's just become a different guy. I love James and uh, thank him for all those years of non-royalty paintings of my song. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure he'll appreciate that. Oh, yeah, he's he's a good friend of ours. So, um, all right. So, Steve... Last, I guess it was last week, right, Marcus? Yeah. Last week, there was a little bit of a, of, of a Twitter exchange, a conversation between you and Dr. White, and yes. it was regarding uh, Donald Trump. Donald Trump, as everybody knows, is running for the president of the United States of America. He's going to have his fingers on the buttons and uh, commander-in-chief. And so you um, are a supporter of uh, Donald Trump uh, for president. Yeah, you know, I like, uh, as a pastor, I don't preach... Uh, endorsements from the pulpit sure. that's for the word of God only. Uh, but I do try to give biblical framework about which people should measure a candidate based on two things, the policy and the person. Um, I do like three candidates, and I've said this repeatedly on Twitter. I do like Mr. Trump. I like uh, Senator Cruz and Senator Rubio, those okay. three. Okay. Uh, however, I do lean towards Mr. Trump for a variety of reasons. Uh But one of it is, if you saw the debates, not the debate, but the town halls last night, either on MSNBC or CNN, respectively, you got a sense in a very cozy atmosphere, I think of 100 people or less, to really get into the candidate's heart and mind as to what they think on a various amount of issues uh, with great audience participation. The thing that uh, several of us came away from last night is... Senator Rubio, a brilliant uh, man, obviously, he's been kind of dubbed as the robotic uh, candidate. You know, he he really has his talking points down. Uh, Senator Cruz, obviously, a very well-trained litigator and debater. Uh, He also has his talking points down. The difference between them and and Mr. Trump for me is is a, a simple thing. Uh, Trump is an older man. He's 69. He's had proven leadership in business. He's had to work through seven variant administrations in New York City from far right to far left in different mayoral authorities. He's had to learn to work with people across the aisle from him. That's very important because, as you know, uh, some people, like, say, a Senator Cruz wants to stand for a very far right, pure conservatism by his definition. Rubio is more of a moderate. Trump is more of a populist. Uh, I think people in our nation are perplexed in how our Congress is governing. And because of that, what you see is someone, and it's a common phrase in the media, who can break gridlock. Uh, my, my pause for Senator Cruz in this way, even though I'll support the GOP candidate, whoever that is. Uh, but my, my, cause, my, my, my cause for pause when it comes to Senator Cruz is he's been a senator now, not long, a few years, but here he has yet to 
unite not even his own party with him, let alone work with Democrats to pass legislation. That's a concern. As president, there's no litmus test by which we could see that Cruz would be one that would bring people in and really govern. Contrary to how our current president has chose to be really an isolationist behind the bully pulpit. Well, let me. He has not, he has not brought sides together. Trump has had to govern, as it were, in his field of endeavor around the world with many different cultures and many different people. And, and I see that the same way as a concern for Mr. Rubio. So, you know, my, my leaning towards Trump is one of leadership, one who holds to his convictions. He's certainly not a Washington insider. But yet again, I understand that Mr. Rubio, Mr. Cruz also are men of fine character. Uh, even though there's issues with all the candidates, I would support the GOP nomination. Well, let me ask you, as, as a Christian, as a pastor, correct, Steve? You're, you're yep, a pastor. Absolutely. Okay. Uh, a teacher, when you look at a political candidate, what do you think are the bottom line foundational issues as, say, a test? Uh, would, you, would you use biblical standards? Would you use biblical standards of government and law in looking at a candidate? Do you see how close they are to the biblical standards? Are they submitted to Jesus Christ as final authority? Or do you, do you have a different way of looking at it? You know, that's a great question. Let me ask one clarifying question as a follow-up to that real quick. Do you believe that our nation was founded upon uh, not all Christians, but upon biblical principles? Well, I believe that the colonies, uh, nine out of the 13 colonies had state churches in the eastern side of the nation. You had uh, even standards and tests for um, leadership. You had to be a baptized Trinitarian uh, Christian to run for political office. So I think that a lot was lost in terms of when the Constitution was written, not naming Jesus Christ as final authority in the scriptures as they did in some of their state constitutions. And so I would say that, yes, our nation was started by Christians. Christian worldview was in the atmosphere. I think that as time moved on, I think there was a lot of uh, degrading of that position. Um, but um, that's, that's how I feel. I think, yes, our nation yeah. was founded on biblical principles. Yeah, now there, and, and you mentioned a very key phrase, and that's why I wanted to make sure that we're on the the same page. You know, we can have the same dictionary, just a different vocabulary. Mm -hmm. I wanted to make sure that we were both on the same page. I also agree. Uh, when the Constitution was written, uh, on the federal level, as you know, Article 6 of the Constitution denies any sort of religious test to hold federal office. Now, that did not extend to the states. Local states can issue a religious test, if so doing, and you correctly stated that. So on a federal level, if we want to be uh, our dual citizenship as Christians on this earth, by rule of law, citizens of earth, by rule of faith, citizens of heaven, only one time or two times in all of Scripture can the rule of law be, be abrogated or stood against by Christians, and that's under two circumstances. One, if, they, if the government commands us to do something God prohibits— or if the government prohibits us from doing something God commands. Under those two issues, and we see that through the book of Acts, then we must, if it's not those two issues, we must honor the rule of law. For Romans 13, all power is given by God to those that rise up into power, and they are there not for the common welfare of meaning a welfare state. They're there to keep social order, to restrain evil, to keep peace within society. So we would honor our, our current leadership. 
Case in point, I did not vote for our current president, but yet he still is the president of this land. I will pray for him, First Timothy 2, 1, sure, and do my sure. biblical duty when it comes to that. However, in a free society, we have a right to speak truth to power. And so in that regard, Christians must not be silent from the political discourse. I think it's been an unfortunate thing that the rewriting of the First Amendment, which I'm a staunch, a staunch proponent of, uh, where people think it's the separation of church and state, and it's really the opposite. It's the separation of state from the church in how we conduct worship and conduct ourselves according to biblical standards. With that said is a backdrop. I really believe that the, the current issues facing us with this election cycle, we should not revert back to, and he was a friend of mine, a Jerry Falwell, a moral majority or a Christian coalition or this kind of thing, where it's a we-they mentality. As you know, the broad brush of a civil morality biblically means little apart from the imputed righteousness of Christ in salvation. So that's a key thing. Well, let me ask you just real fast uh, about that, because I think it gets us into some foundational issues that are important. When you, you know, point to Romans 13, we talk about the God-ordained role of the civil government. He's God's deacon. He's God's servant. And the role of civil government there is to enact justice. It's not for the righteous, but for the wrongdoers. And so the question, I guess, would be asked in that yep. sense, do you believe in, from Romans 13 that the civil government is God's servant and should enact biblical standards of justice or some other standards of justice? I mean, I guess I would say, what really is the standard for you when, you, when you're looking at all this? Well, this is, this is not a subjective thing. Uh, as a Christian, we operate according to a biblical standard of what is right, good, true, and of good report. Should the government? In, in civil government, there is no biblical command within civil government to adopt a biblical standard only. Well, let me ask you about that. That's, we, that's, that's a good point, we, Steve, to talk we about. Must, we, we must honor those in authority over us. You look at the time of Romans 13. Yes. The Apostle Paul was writing under a very wicked government. But yet, because all government is instilled by God, we must honor that. Well, let me now, ask we, you, Steve, let me, real fast. Steve, again, let me, Steve, we're going to have a dialogue, not a monologue, brother, so it's important. So when you talk about civil government there and you acknowledge that it's God's servant and he enacts justice, I, I think we would both agree that in Romans 13, when the Apostle Paul penned those words, he was under the rule of Rome. And you have uh, emperors, wicked emperors like Caligula and Nero and those sorts of guys. And these guys were actually, Nero was, was killing Christians. And so... I don't think it'd be appropriate to say in Romans 13, the Apostle Paul is being descriptive of Rome, but more prescriptive of what the role of civil government is. Would you agree with that? Well, he's not backing individual policies. Uh, he's backing the rule of the office and the state of it. So that, so it, that goes, that dovetails into my question, Steve. Is again, so that if we're going to have a, if we're going to have a dialogue, I would appreciate the same respect. Well, just re to, to state so the same in, question so though. In, in okay. this, on your initial question, on your initial question, how do we measure a presidential candidate? We must measure, because we want to live under the rule of law, we must measure, according to Article 6 of the Constitution, there is no religious test for a president in our nation. Now, as Christians, we would want to examine not only the policies of that candidate, but the personhood of that candidate. Right. Is regeneration necessary for us as evangelicals or as Christians to support a candidate? Biblically, that is not the issue. 
You don't think that God sets the standard for rulers to submit to Jesus? Uh, there will be, according to Psalm chapter 2, all the nations eventually, especially at the return of Christ in, in uh, Revelation 19, there will be a submission to the great King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Right now on this earth, there are governments that are obviously, they are non-Christian. Uh, they sure. don't honor the rule of faith as you and I would sure. uh, within the church. And at that point, uh, we're not called it on, on this earth to Christianize government, but we are called to be honoring to those in authority over us. Well, let me, ask you, uh, let me ask you about that. We've, so we've missed now, I think, gotten off the Romans 13 question about the government's role there and what standards of justice the, the God intends for that civil, civil magistrate, the civil government to uphold. But in, in Psalm chapter 2, uh, God says to Jesus, he says, ask of me, I'll give you the nations for your inheritance. And he says, after, after making that promise to Jesus, he says to the kings to obey the son or they will perish. I don't think that that could be something that's necessarily uh, ahead of us. That's, that's something God says for the millennial kingdom somewhere ahead of us, because it says that he has installed Jesus on um, his, his throne there. Um, the earth is his possession. But Jesus says, in the Great Commission, he says that all authority in heaven and on earth, on earth has been given to him. He says to go therefore, because all authority on earth has been given to him. And he says, make disciples of all the nations. When you say we're not to Christianize um, a nation or a government, I would ask how that actually fits with Jesus' statement that he has all authority today and that we're to make disciples of the nations. Uh, well, a disciple, mathetas, the Greek word, it means a learner. And it's for those that have come to faith in Christ. Well, uh, are, are, are the nations to come to faith uh, in Christ? Am I allowed to continue on with my thought here? Sure, Steve. Thank you. Uh, that in this role, uh, as in the Great Commission, we are made to, to make disciples of all nations, baptism, going out, discipleship, and so forth of all people. The Lord did not come to save America but he did come to save Americans. Yes. And the whole point is in the transference of that in our current election cycle, that we must be careful to uh, bring not a religious test of something that scripture does not condone. And I think that that's an important distinctive here. We must examine these candidates, first of all, by their constitutionality, by their rule of law. Are they going to honor the Constitution? That is the great document that governs our land in this nation. However, as to their personhood, we would want to offer criticism and evaluation uh, as to their personhood on social issues in particular, according to a biblical standard. Good. Because you and I do not function with them on an individual basis locally, then we have to defer to other sources and things to get a feeling of that candidate. Uh, but I think to the issue of this election cycle and to the, to the debate that James White and I were having a, a bit on Twitter last week, is we cannot make an evangelical test. In other words, the candidate that quotes the most scripture or says 2 Corinthians opposed to 2 Corinthians would sure. be our candidate. We can't make that kind of shallow uh, 
evaluation, I think, on who's going to be president. Well, let me ask you this. When Jesus says, in regard to government and, and electing rulers and discipleship of nations, um, I, I see Jesus' statement as all authority in heaven and on earth given to him. I see that as pretty clear. And I think that that would mean over civil government as well, that civil government also ultimately has to be led to Jesus because those are people those are people who are discipled that go into the role of civil government and people who are disciples in civil government are Christians in civil government. And so when Jesus says all authority in heaven and on earth is mine to go therefore and make disciples of the nations, I see that as encompassing everything. And so I don't think that civil government is out of the range of Christ's authority. And so I think that would be the difference between the two of us is I, I see Jesus authority as over all realms, every sphere, personal, uh, family, church, government. And I think that when you disciple a nation and they come to Jesus and they're converted and they come to Christ by faith or given the imputed righteousness of Jesus, I think that nation uh, is a nation full of believers. And when you have believers in civil government, you have believers who are submitted to Jesus Christ. And so I think this does get down to the issue of, say, what your view of eschatology is and what your view of the kingdom of Christ and his authority is. Um, let's go to this point. Let's go to uh, Donald Trump on... For- Hold on, let me, let me okay. respond to that sure, real quick. Sure, sure. You're, you're confusing several things here. Um, in matters of authority, he's speaking of his position, not in terms of being a functioning uh, component of government in determining policy. So all authority doesn't mean all authority uh, again, in your, in your let view. Let me finish. Please sure. let, give me the, the, same, the same courtesy here. Uh, the, the issue there in him having it stating his positional authority, similar to Ephesians chapter 1 uh, and so forth. He reigns and rules. He is sovereign Lord. He is King of Kings. But yet, as governments and people in power will rise and fall, we know under his providential sovereignty, those rulers exist. Uh, Similar in the Old Testament, Nebuchadnezzar and others, wicked men coming from a Chaldean background. But yet, God had his servant, not the government, but he had his servant Daniel in the midst of that. David was set apart uh, to be king, but yet he would not bring the sword against Saul because why he was God's anointed, meaning God set Saul up in power for a time. But then, as we read in the Old Testament, the Spirit of God departed from Saul and was given to David. That's how that king was anointed. Sure. There's, There's no cause of that. We don't see a Christianization any of the apostles or the Lord Jesus Christ of Caesar, of even Herod, of Pilate, and so forth. The authority issue is one of sovereignty and providence. It is not one of dictating or Christianizing local civil government. It is foreign from Scripture. Well, let as me ask you, Steve. Steve, Steve, as, as a Steve, on a radio I'm show, you got You got You got to spend a little, a little less time in, in the monologues. You got to spend as, like not not two minutes. But you have to have at least. A response. Time for a response. Steve. Steve. Eschatology-wise, I'm an amillennialist. Can you hear me? But at the same time, we must be careful not to allow that to infiltrate policy decisions of of local government. Steve, can you hear me on your side? I can now, yes. Okay, good. Okay. So I think um, when we're speaking here, I think we're we're speaking past each other in terms of like what we're actually aiming at. When we talk about Christianizing a nation, the way that I view that is a proclamation of the gospel so that people hear the gospel, they're converted, no matter where they're at in society, whether they're, uh, you know, local magistrates, whether they're national. I do see the Apostle Paul telling believers 
to pray for those in authority. I take that to mean praying for their role, pray for their salvation. And so I do believe that our role is, is to bring the gospel to all of the earth, to every person, no matter where they're at, no matter what realm of authority. And I do believe that when Jesus says all authority in heaven and on earth, I think that encompasses everything. I think that would be the difference between the two of us. I don't think that Jesus is just simply king over the spiritual world. I think, as you said, he is king of kings. Now that means something, I think, to me, king of kings. So he's the king over the rulers of the earth today, the Lord over the lords of the earth today. And I think that's very meaningful. Um, And I think it goes uh, beyond a spiritual authority, a spiritual realm. I think that Jesus actually has earthly authority today. And I think that Psalm 110.1, sit at my right hand until I make all your enemies a footstool for your feet, is ultimately, 1 Corinthians 15, where the world is going. And I think that takes place through the gospel. And I think that as Christians, we do need to look at leaders and say, today, is this person submitted to Jesus Christ? Is that a faithful proclamation of their own faith is it consistent with their character and what they've shown over time? Let me play this clip here. Donald Trump and forgiveness. We've got people lined up for questions. I just got one more because you used the word Christian. Have you ever asked God for forgiveness? That's a tough question. I, I don't think in terms of I have I'm, I'm a religious person. Shockingly, because people are so shocked when they find this out. Uh, I'm Protestant. I'm Presbyterian. And I go to church, and I love God, and I love my church. And Norman Vincent Peale, the great Norman Vincent Peale was my pastor. The power of positive thinking. Everybody's heard of Norman Vincent Peale. He was so great. He would give a sermon you never wanted to leave. Sometimes we have sermons, and every once in a while we think about leaving a little early, right, even though we're Christian. (laughs) Dr. Norman Vincent Peale, Frank, would would give a sermon I'm telling you, I still remember his sermons. It was unbelievable. And what he would do is he'd bring real-life situations, modern-day situations, into the sermon. And you could listen to him all day long. When you left the church, you were disappointed that it was over. He was the greatest guy. And then, you know, he passed away, but he was a great... The, the, he wrote The Power of Positive Thinking, which is but, a great book. But have you ever asked God for forgiveness? <laughs> I'm not sure I have. I just go and try and do a better job from there. I don't think so. All right, Steve, what do you think about that? Uh, okay, a, a couple of things. Um, obviously, it's not correct. Uh, it is, we would deny the teachings of Norman Vincent Peel uh, categorically. Uh, but I was told this interview was going to be about evaluation of our candidates. Sure. And so, uh, you know, as an interviewer, your position and job is to find out what I would believe on that. And so, if well, that's we Steve. Steve, that's back, Steve. That's, we, Steve, let me let me explain get, to you how this how this works on Apologia Radio. We get, we want we to get back to that. Yeah, that's that, that's specifically what this is about, now, Steve. It's actually the, the important thing here is to here, the issuance here of of uh, Donald Trump's state of of his Christianity. Um, whether he's regenerate or not, um, that is something that that uh, we must be careful with. Uh, at this point, would I assume that Mr. Trump, if he attended my church, would I classify him in that regenerated category? Probably not. Um, but I'm looking at him not as a religious leader, but as a potential for president. In the same way, I would not I would apply that same standard to Mr. Cruz, who used a pulpit this last week uh, to not 
preach the word. He was given a pulpit for a worship service to give a stump speech politically. It's obvious Mr. Cruz was more concerned about his campaign than the glory of Christ. Mm, yeah, um, I wouldn't give. I would have to give that same standard to others. Obviously, as a believer, we would want to say any true believer must confess his sin, must receive forgiveness, must submit to the Lord. That is something that has not been present in the religious instruction in Mr. Trump's life. And for that, I pray for him and trust that he would get to a orthodox uh, Bible-believing church that could encourage him in the basics of the gospel. Sure. I think we all hope for that for him. I, but the question, too, Steve, and having you on, we wanted to talk about um, having a friendly Christian discussion over the reasons a Christian should vote for Donald Trump. And you brought up his policies and you brought up his character. And so I think, you know, as Christians, when we look at a person that's professing faith in Jesus, it's important for us to evaluate that character. And I think one of the most important things from, for me that I'd like to ask you about is as a believer who says that Donald Trump would be a good candidate to vote for, for, for Christians, um, I'd like to ask you, how do you feel about his, his, his changed position on the issue of abortion? Because from our perspective, we have a church and a ministry that is, is very seriously dedicated to ending abortion in our nation. Our church has been a part of saving over 50 babies at local abortion mills. And when we look at someone like Donald Trump, his position has changed from being very, very, very pro-choice and in support of uh, pro-choice and abortion over, over time to uh, really, I think, fairly recently changing to a pro-life position. And I guess my question is this, Steve, with the issue of, of thousands of babies being slaughtered um, a day in our nation, a, a day in our nation, do you believe that Donald Trump would be a strong opponent of abortion to abolish it and to end it once and for all and to possibly criminalize it? Or do you, do you, what do you, how do you feel about his position on abortion? Uh, well, all I can go by is what his, uh, his latest uh, public statements have been on abortion. And, uh, and he has come out strongly uh, in support of a pro-life uh, uh, agenda, which which I praise the Lord for. Um, he has not always been pro-life. He sure. has been pro-choice in the past, but he has shared that publicly in his own journey. In fact, he came out with an article, I think a day or two ago, that says something that the left would was not anticipating from Mr. Trump in an official statement regarding his pro-life uh, stance. He was asked two days ago, are you pro-life? He says, staunchly pro-life. He was not always that way. He went through an evolution, a process of seeing different things, and he finally has come to his senses on this. I could never, ever hope to support any candidate that wasn't uh, pro-life. And so currently, his stand is is that he is pro-life. Now, the litmus test for you, I guess, would be how long has he been pro-life? No, I don't think how long. I think my 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 question would be, yeah, my question would be how would he how would he fight for I, that issue? Oh no, I also know that uh, he has also publicly come out with statements that he would defund Planned Parenthood of all public and taxpayer contributions when it comes to abortion. Let me let me do that this real fast, Steve, just for the purposes of statement. just I, running I would, out of time here, Steve. Let me play this clip right now. In Iowa, pro-life leaders are circulating a letter that says anyone but Trump. Effectively, they say you can't be trusted as a pro-life advocate. Well, that's okay. Give, I mean, that's give, your opinion. Look, I'm pro-life, but that's their opinion. But given what and you they said, want to do that, hey, all I can tell you is this. 
as you know, I'm pro-life. In 1999, I've been pro-life for a long time. In 1999, you said you were pro-choice in all respects. And I said, what did I say? You didn't read it. Read the full statement of what I said. Partial birth abortion, the eliminating of, of abortion in the third trimester, big issue in Washington. Would President Trump ban partial birth abortion? Well, look, I'm, I'm very pro-choice. I hate the concept of abortion. I hate it. I hate everything it stands for. I cringe when I listen to people debating the subject. But you still, I just believe in choice. And again, it may be a little bit of a New York background because there is some different attitude in different parts of the country. And, you know, I was raised in New York and grew up and work and everything else in New York City. But I am strongly for choice, and yet I hate the concept of abortion. But you would not ban it? No. Or ban partial birth abortion? No, I would. I would. I am... I am pro-choice in every respect and as far as it goes, but I just hate it. The read the full statement. No, no, you're not reading the full statement. Go ahead, get out the full statement, read it. Tim Russert followed. I know, I remember Tim Russert very well. He was a friend of mine. So he was what, a good man. I no, agree. No, but read the full statement. My question is what okay. changed those since then? Look, they, can, they have their choice. They can do what they have to do. I'm pro-life. They can do what they have to do. There'll be many people that will be voting for me that I all right, so the, I guess, I guess when listening to a clip like that, I, I'm concerned as a minister of the gospel, as a pastor, I'm concerned, is this a man who would end abortion, fight against it in such a way that he would actually end the slaughter of innocent human beings in the womb, or is this a person that is using a political platform of pro-life that the Republican Party often stands kind of for, um, in a, for the purposes of, of being elected? How do you feel about that? Uh, do you know the year of those clips that you played? The, the earlier clips, those are somewhere from the year 2000, I one believe. Minute, the earlier clip that was in there was year 2000, but the one where he's talking to the interviewer and he says... They're going to do what they want. This, they're going to do what they want. I support choice, but I'm pro-life. That was very recent uh, during his campaign. Uh, the Actually, it wasn't in the year 2000. It was uh, earlier than that in the 19, late 1990s. Right, right, right. But when he's responding uh, to the reporter, but, that was but the like recently. Yeah, the, the interesting thing is, is his official statement uh, verbally and in writing is that he would even shut down government uh, to defund Planned Parenthood when it comes to abortion. Uh, he is pro-life across the board. But he, he just said whatever, that whatever evolutionary process that took place in his personal, social, and political thinking to get to that place, I think we can all say a hearty amen that he is currently uh, pro-life. He is not pro-choice. I think that clip we just played shows that he's not currently pro-life. Partial birth abortion. He is staunchly pro-life. We have to go on that currently, and that's exactly now what he represents in his platform. Donald Trump says Planned Parenthood does wonderful things, but not when it comes to abortion. So I think we can all agree that he actually says, you know, he's against abortion. But I mean, I think my concern as a minister of the gospel is, as a man saying Planned Parenthood does wonderful things, is much like uh, saying Auschwitz made great chicken soup and provided jobs for people. And, you know, you know notwithstanding the uh, the piles and piles of bodies. And so I think as a minister, when we look at these candidates, we have to ask the question, you know, on these moral issues, are they consistent with the biblical worldview? Um, you know, I, I, I think it really does matter. Uh, well, again, you're confusing a couple of things. Being consistent with a biblical worldview is not an acid test for a, for a president. 
What, yeah. what about um, the moral social, issues? Social issues, it's something that we must bring to the idea of whether it's gay marriage, whether it's abortion, whether it's the issue of Syrian refugees, whether it's the Muslim issue of terrorism. We must bring as Christians the inference of Scripture, the teachings of the Word of God, on how that affects ourselves as citizens of this earth, and then we vote our conscience. Well, let me However, ask you about that, Steve, so, so that we don't go on, so we don't go, you can stick to one thing at a time. When you talk about social issues, and as yeah, Christians, I, I it matters. Like that courtesy, it, too, to be honest. Okay, with you. yeah, okay, so when we talk, it's just really important we have the, the radio show, Steve, that we have, you know, like a minute blips and not like five minute discussions. Does that or, include your clips as well? Uh, absolutely. So okay. this this so is if you this include is include that time with your clips. Uh, I should. Uh, okay, Steve. Steve, just let, let me let me let me be the let me be the host here, Steve, for a second here. Okay. Well, so you're not on, Sean Hannity and, Steve, and I Steve, that, Steve, but, I think but, it's but, I think it's best just to go ahead and let you go. You, honestly, I've never had a guest uh, be quite so rude and um and we're just going to let you go so we can have a, a better show thank never, you thank you so I've much never, okay i've never had an okay steve goodbye that has not allowed a person to speak their heart steve and their we're at steve way. listen listen brother I mean, you're already off the show right now but let me just tell you right now if you play if you play back the audio from the show because we're going to put it up if you play back the audio from the show yeah. and you actually time yourself speaking you have spoken over me and you have spoken in continuous monologues for long extended periods of time it's not even ra- it's not even it's not even radio so As steve in response to your commentary you have done steve and, steve and honest have, honestly just, brother listen I, one second listen one second you're on my show okay let I me just let me just let me just say this I, res- I and, and you're doing it right now and you're doing it right now you won't even have the common you won't even have the common courtesy to let me as the host of the show to get a word out. Steve, slow to slow to speak. What happened here, I think you'll see, is that when your positions were confronted with when your when your when your positions have been confronted by scripture, you had no response. You changed the subject and I think that that razzled you and it confused you. And so now you're getting all hyped up and you're not allowing me to get a word in. All right, guys, so we will take a quick commercial break. We'll let you uh, catch your breath. Yeah? Good time yeah, to catch your breath? That would yeah. be really nice. Luke, yeah. you okay over there, man? How do you feel, man? What's going on over there? That's great. This is a great vibe in here right now. It's like Daddy just hit Mommy at the dinner table, and we're all trying to eat still. Just eat, honey. Mommy's okay. Ma- Daddy just got a little angry. Just eat. I don't want to eat. Mommy is fine. Daddy just got a little crazy, and Mommy's fine. Do I have to eat? Yes. Have to eat. All right, guys. Be right back. ApologiaRadio.com. Only on Apologia Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, beauties and beasts, I have some good news for you. But in order for me to tell you the good news, I must share with you the bad. A beard can be a most magnificent thing, but it can also be the downfall of a man. An unmaintained beard prevents a face from shining. An unmaintained beard causes dry, itchy skin. An unmaintained beard is a source of beardruff. You know, like dandruff, but beardruff. An unmaintained beard is sharp and ruthless, like iron bristles, not good for the lady friend. An unmaintained beard forfeits future growth based on the lack of preparation today. And let's not forget that an unmaintained beard robs your face from smelling amazing. Let not thy beard be thy downfall protect your manlyhood an epic combination of manliness and manhood if you're hearing this today there is hope for your beard go to yukonsbeard.com and enter the code apologia and you can save some money while you save your face 
Hi, this is Mortimer with the Apologia Radio. I want to ask for y'all good friends of ours to go on and click that button there and become my friends on the book face. Facebook backslash Apologia Radio. Become my friend on YouTube. That there uh, twerker. The twerker. I want to talk to you on the twerking. And send me out a twerk. What? Wait, what? Twitter. Apologia Radio on Twitter. I also want to tell you we talk about apologetics and theology and we do a lot of swing dancing and we make a delicious chicken gravy. com. All right, guys, back with Apologia Radio. Well, I would have to say that that was interesting. Yes. A bit. Went a little different than I thought I would go. Well, we knew that he was going, he's in favor of Trump. That's right. why we wanted him on the show. That's right. And I was I really hoping that we could just have like a really neat discussion between us as the, uh, you know, like, here's what you believe, here's what we believe the Bible is. Let's just have a friendly discussion and go back and forth. And it wasn't supposed to be a heated thing. No. Well, I pull, up, real, pull up a message real fast that you had to because he was yeah, he, he, said confused that, about... he said that we were going to talk about all the candidates, but the Twitter message that I sent um, him. And just and as as Marcus looks for that, you know, we, we wanted to get Steve Camp on originally because we saw there was a little interaction between Dr. James White and Steve Camp on the issue of Donald Trump uh, for president. And, you know, uh there was a conversation with them. We invited him on the show to discuss um, his his commentary on his beliefs about Donald Trump. What, what specifically did yeah, you say? So this is what I said. I said, we would, we would love to have you come on and have a friendly Christian discussion over the reasons a Christian should vote for Trump. We can Skype you in. And he responded and said, sounds really great. This Thursday, Skype is good. But that was essentially it. There you go. And oh. it was in the, he knew it was in the context of his support of Trump. And so... One might say he's in the Trump camp. Okay. The camp. Because <laughs> his last yeah. name is Camp. Oh, okay. <laughs> All right. We've been in the studio a long time today. I knew there today. was a pun there. Yeah. I just couldn't <laughs> get there. Mark's the master with the like puns. I knew, I knew it was one. I was just like... I thought the I was going for the pun being on Trump. Right. No, I don't care. Okay, there you go. It. Yeah. All right. And so uh, since uh, being on the radio with Apologia Radio for the first time, I don't think Steve uh, Camp really has any idea uh, about us, our show, anything like that. Uh, Steve has gone on Twitter already, and he uh, blocked Apologia Radio now on Twitter. He did. He said, uh, was interviewed today uh, on Skype by two amateur wannabe broadcasters. Note to self, in the future, work only with professionals. <laughs> well, oh, we have a lot of love and respect for Steve. And um, one of the things that was interesting for me in doing that interview um, I've been doing uh, radio for, for many years now. Um, we have uh, close to, I think, 160 episodes of just Apologia Radio, Redemption Radio before that. Uh, interviewed some excellent, excellent guests from Dr. James White to Dr. Michael Brown, Jonathan Sarfati from Creation Ministries International. I mean, the list is very, very deep. Dr. Scott Oliphant, Westminster Seminary. We've had a lot, a lot of guests on, and we've actually done some radio discussions and debates with people who uh, oppose our worldview, with 
with atheists. Mm-hmm. And I have to say, uh, that was one of the first radio discussions that I've ever had that felt like a complete monologue uh, on the other side. I felt like we gave him uh, plenty of opportunity to state his position. And, you know, when you're doing a radio show and you're, you know, you're, you're on, on a time schedule, it's important that you have time to interact. Uh, when Steve brought up particular issues or beliefs or positions, I think it's important as a radio show that we ask questions, press them on those specific claims. And it looked at a certain point like the conversation was just rabbit trailing to five or six different issues. Yeah. And we couldn't stick on one. And so, you know, my sort of trying to edge my way into the conversation there was because it really felt at a certain point like Steve was droning on and on. And it's important doing a radio show like this. If we're going to talk about Donald Trump, if we're going to talk about his character and his position, if we're going to talk about biblical passages and the biblical worldview, we have to actually interact with one another. And so uh, that was, I think, the first First Christian I've ever actually um, booted from the show. Yeah. And so, uh, again, love him, respect him. But let's talk about a few of the things that he said. Um, I think this goes to show uh, the importance of consistency. Um, You know, I I say it a lot. And one of the things I've learned a lot from Dr. James White is he talks about inconsistency as a sign of a failed argument. And I do believe there's a lot there in terms of his position that is related to his eschatological beliefs. I do believe that. Um, However, I think that every Christian should try to be consistent no matter your eschatological position. And I think the interesting thing for me was that Steve granted that Jesus is king of kings. Now, when he said that, that really resonated with me because I believe that. Now, watch this. It's important. When you make the claim that Jesus is king of kings and Lord of lords, either that statement is meaningful or it's not. That's right. Okay, because if you say he's king of kings, I ask you the question. Okay, great. So Jesus gets to tell kings what to do today. And then someone goes, oh, no, no, no. I didn't mean that. That's just something you're supposed to say. There's a spiritual authority Mm -hmm. in terms of being king of kings, but not an actual king of kings authority. Like he's in charge. I thought it was interesting because you actually pulled up Psalm 2 on your Bible before he said it. And then he said it. You were already right there ready to go. Yep. And he tried to make that an eschatological position in the future. Right. But the passage speaks of uh, of kings dying, uh, be, kings kings being um, uh, be, be care, obey the son or or, or you'll um, perish. You'll right, perish. Right, right. right. So it talks about kings dying, which can't be a future eschatological position. It's something that happens when look at you, kings Marcus. Do not kiss the look sun. at you, Marcus, yeah. being consistent. Yeah. Why the why do the nations conspire and the people's plot in vain? The kings of the earth rise up and the rulers band together against the Lord and against his anointed, that's the Messiah. And then it says that obviously God laughs, he scoffs at them, he rebukes them in his anger, and look what he says. He says, I have installed my king on Zion, my holy mountain. I have installed my king on Zion, my holy mountain. Question, is Jesus the installed king? Yes. Today. Yes. Yes. Yes, sir. Thank you. And so he says, you are my son. Today I've begotten you and begotten, become your father, begotten you, and I will make the nations your inheritance. Ask of me, I'll make the nations your inheritance and the ends of the earth your possession. And he says, therefore, because what? Because he's installed the king, because he's promised the nations to Jesus and the possession of the earth to Jesus. He says, be wise 
Be warned, you rulers of the earth, serve the Lord with fear and celebrate his rule with trembling. Kiss his son. That's an, oh, that's NIV. I'm sorry. I pulled up the wrong oh, one. Man. <laughs> sorry. Oh. I'm sorry. Google didn't help me out there. Okay. <laughs> so, obey the son or you'll perish when his wrath is kindled. And so I think it's important that we place Jesus' rule in the right place in history. Jesus ascended and he said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore. What's therefore? Therefore. Because all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to him. Is there any question about the fact that the New Testament places Jesus on his throne today? That he is actually seated on his throne today? That he's the ruler of the kings of the earth today? Is there any question about that? If there is, then he's not king of kings. That's right, because he's not Either is ruler. Yeah, either is or is not. So when we say he's the king of kings today, we say, look, that means something or it doesn't. He either is the ruler of the kings of the earth today, and they must submit to his authority, or... He's not king of kings. And this is what we wanted to talk to him about. Like, we just wanted to have this conversation. Right. And he just wanted to talk over any sort of interruption that we had and wouldn't let us really stay focused on a... Because these are foundational issues. Right. Right. These are important things They go beyond any candidate. Yeah. Okay. Or so when you're talking about the political process, you're talking about candidates that are on the trail right now. As Christians, we're supposed to filter all that through the biblical worldview now. Now, he said that he wanted a candidate that was definitively pro-choice. That's what he said. Pro-life. Pro, yeah, sorry. And not, yeah, that's right. Sorry. (laughs) Pro-life. And so what we tried to do is we played that clip of Donald Trump. There's two clips back to back. The one is the reporter asking him if he's pro-life and him saying that he is. And then it cuts the clip from, like he, like Cam said, the 1990s where he said he's pro-choice. But then it cuts back and he says that he's pro-life, but women have a right to choose. Right. Well, that's not a pro-life position. Yeah. And that wasn't something that happened several years ago. That was at a press conference. Right. Recently. In his campaign yeah. that he said, women have a right to choose, but I'm pro-life. Yeah. And so that's what we were trying to talk to him about, and right. he didn't want us to actually engage with, with Trump's any argument, character, and position. Right. Yeah, and when Donald Trump recently says that Planned Parenthood does a lot of good, except for the abortions, I think as Christians we have a right to question whether he's going to be a person that acts ethically in regard to abortion and actually ends abortion once and for all in our nation. We get to ask those questions, and it's allowed to be asked of Donald Trump. Those are important questions to ask. And, you know, when when Steve was talking, he was talking about us as Christians and we're citizens of heaven. We have dual citizenship or citizens of earth and 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 we're citizens of heaven. I think that goes to show the the disconnect that happens uh, related to Jesus authority on the earth, because what I believe is that, yes, we're citizens of heaven, but Jesus' rule is very much here and now. And the authority that's been given to Jesus is final and full and total. And that means that as Christians, when we engage in any culture, whether it's pagan or not, we're going into that culture with the proclamation of Christ's lordship and the call of repentance and faith. And this is what's really important here. He talked about social issues. Hang on to this for a second. This is vitally important to get. He talked about social issues. And he says, as Christians, we must vote our conscience regarding social issues. Mm. Well, well, this is what you need to pay attention to. As Christians, we must vote our conscience, yes. But when we get that conscience and we think through the details of our conscience, 
What are we basing that standard on? The word of God. And so when we vote our conscience, what are we telling the government? That that standard only applies to Christians, but not to unbelievers? Can you think about the disconnect that's happening there? Well, as Christians, we want to look to the word of God and vote our conscience. But that standard doesn't apply to civil government necessarily. Do you see the wishy-washiness of that position? So for Christians, the word of God is the final standard we need to vote by. But it's not necessarily applicable, not necessarily a real standard for civil government. That is fallacious and absurd, inconsistent to say that the standard applies to us, but not necessarily to the rest of the world. And we don't want to really um, actually put it on them. No, I say this. I say we say to government, we say, we'll pray for you. We will be good citizens. We'll submit to your authority and your leadership. We believe your position is God ordained. But Jesus is the king. God commands you in these areas to do right, to do justice, to be obedient to him. And this is what's really amazing. He talked about, you know, the goal is not to make uh, America Christian. I say absurd. Yeah. That is absolutely absurd. What do you well, what if what do you get if you don't make America Christian? Wait, wait, livable? You wait, make American pagan? Yeah. What, what what's cuz that's the point cuz Jesus says what? You are either with me or you're against me. Yeah, right. How do you make America great again without making America Christian again? That's right. <laughs> and here's what I'm saying. Are we saying that we go to the government by force? And we go from the top down. No, it's all gospel, baby. It's all our repentance and faith. But this is the point. If Jesus is the reigning king and he has all authority on earth today, and if the goal is to disciple every nation and teach them to obey, well, then guess what? That applies in every area, to every realm, to every nation, and every single possible pocket you find. Because you see, as Christians, when we call the nation to repent and to believe the gospel, and then people start actually doing that by the grace of God, he does that in a nation. Well, what happens to that nation when they convert to Jesus? I have a question. What if the Great Commission isn't just wishful thinking? What if it actually is a command? What if it actually is something that God promised to Jesus? I'll give you the nations for your inheritance. And then Jesus tells us to go get them. What if the whole nation converts to Christ? What does it become? Is it so scary to say, yeah, that'd be a Christian nation? Yeah. Is, it so, is it so wrong as Christians to say, I hope through the gospel of Jesus Christ that everybody comes to know God and is saved and that America, at this one little place, America turns to Jesus and then Africa turns to Jesus and then England turns to Jesus and Canada turns to Jesus? Would it be so wrong to have a government full of a lot of Christians that serve the Lord with fear? Canada turned to Jesus? Uh, well, God is sovereign, Luke. It can happen. I know he said all things, <laughs> but... <laughs> this, is, it's, this is important, guys, because, listen, as Christians, we have to start being consistent. And when we look, as Christians, at the past generation of how our nation has been led by people... We're not looking for a Messiah. First and foremost, Apologia Radio is not saying, let's elect our next Messiah. We already got one. But when you look at the last generation and all of the calamity, all of the breakdown in society, you look at the last president that we've had over the last eight years, and you look at the destruction of the human family, you look at the murder of innocence, you look at the murder of children that's happening wholesale by the thousands per day. By the time you listen to this episode and, and your day is up, over, over 2,000 babies will have been murdered in this nation. So does it matter 
that as Christians we faithfully proclaim the gospel in our culture, that we faithfully proclaim and herald the truth that Jesus is the king and and, and he's Lord. I think it matters a lot. One Mm. thing he said as an argument that I thought was just was just silly. He says, was Saul was Saul to be killed by David? And something like that, he said something like, did David kill Saul? Well, let me ask you this question because it gets to the final point. Uh, Did God um, command Saul to submit to him? That would be the point I would ask. Are we we advocating for murder of government officials, something like that, hostile takeovers of government? Absolutely not. But the question is, is, is did, did God expect Saul as a ruler to submit to his rule? Absolutely. How about yeah. David? Yes. He was cursed because he didn't. Yeah. How about Nebuchadnezzar? He brought him Nebuchadnezzar. What happened to Nebuchadnezzar because he tried to exalt himself and wouldn't submit to God himself? Right. I remember, I, I remember somebody acting like an animal eating grass. Yeah. Something like that, right? right? And so this stuff really, really matters. Um, social issues are all moral issues. Social issues are moral issues. So the issue of abortion, that's a moral issue. That's a gospel issue. People murdering babies is a gospel issue. People stealing and socialism is a gospel issue. Those are all gospel issues. How we treat aliens among us, that's a gospel issue because that's a moral issue. The taxation and the the level of taxation, that's a moral issue. Right. So you can't say that there's no standard for a political representative if you believe that it, we're just like so his position was we're, we're citizens of earth citizens of heaven and not and dual citizenship dual citizenship right so so even if we're christian citizens of heaven we still have responsibilities here on earth that have to be governed by a heavenly principle that's right that's right, right. so there's there, there can't be a disconnect in terms of who you vote for because we're citizens of heaven therefore we can do whatever we want when it comes to government yeah that doesn't make any sense. And the and the Apostle Paul, one of the things that was brought up there, the Apostle Paul did say the governing authorities are ordained by God, that it, it's it's God's servant, it's about justice. Uh, Steve really kind of ignored my point and didn't really respond to it. And this is one of the things that I think would have been more, most helpful. He pretty much ignored every point. Well, when I, when I said to him, well, look, Paul was in Rome writing that under Roman rule. Yeah. Nero killed Christians. I don't think Paul was being descriptive in Rome, Romans 13 yeah. of the Roman authorities he's being descript he's being prescriptive by explaining what the god ordained role of government is and what i asked steve there is if if the governing authorities are god's servant and they're to uphold justice in a society what standard by what standard does god hold them to right some other god's standard right if they're to terrorize evil what's the standard for terror and what's the standard for evil that's right there is no neutrality. And right. this is one of the things I think that is is what's f- demonstrating the collapse of Steve Camp's position is what Bonson said all the time, the myth of neutrality. There is no neutrality. You're either for Christ or against Christ. When, we lo- when I look at Donald Trump, I ask the question, is he for Christ or against Christ? And right. I don't just say, well, because he made a mere profession. Listen... Our president today, Barack Obama, made a profession of faith, makes a profession of faith in Jesus. The man is not a believer. He's not a follower of Jesus Christ. Anybody that actually disses the word of God complains about it. Anybody that destroys the human family and anybody that advocates for the murder of innocent children on a regular basis is not, is not a follower of Jesus Christ. Flat out, there is no returning from that. You're not a Christian.
By their fruits, you shall know them. If you do not obey Jesus Christ, you do not know him. Jesus says, if you love me, obey me. So I have, as a believer, the right and the responsibility to actually question somebody's profession of faith. So when you have a leader today saying, oh yeah, I'm a Christian, but then they live absolutely contrary to that and the biblical worldview, I have a right to say, hey, I see something that's not consistent there. Another thing that means- judgmental. When you do that, well, Jesus says a judge. Or the Bible says a judge with righteous judgment and equal scales. I apply well, all these things to myself. Only, so, only God can judge me, Jeff. So in Exodus eighteen twenty one, yes, it says, "Choose men from among you that fear God, are yep. trustworthy, and do not accept a bribe." Yep. Yeah. Now he, I don't exactly know his eschatological position, but even if he were to say, "Well, that was for Israel." Steve's? Yes, Steve. He said he was Amil in the... Okay. Somewhere in that... Did he okay. say... Oh, no, he said Primo. No, he said Amil in there. I heard him. Okay. Well, we'll, look, we'll have to roll the tape back. Yeah. Okay. Well, anyway, it, it doesn't matter because he, you have to ask, well, okay, what's the general equity of God telling a nation to choose men like that? Right. Right? And so you would want someone who fears God, is trustworthy, doesn't take a bribe. Right. Trump doesn't meet any of those right. three standards. That's not a high standard we're holding Trump to. It's just three. And he doesn't meet one. He gives bribes. He brags about it. He boasts in it. He's not trustworthy. And then he admits on the clip you played that he's never repented. Yeah. And he doesn't repent. So I, I just, I don't think, you know, we're trying to say that Trump needs to be this perfect right. that's Christian not the, that's not the who has understanding of every single aspect of God's civil law or anything like right. that. Right. We're just asking for three. That's yeah. right. <laughs> And uh, Steve Camp uh, says that he's part, he's a constitutional conservative. Uh, This from the National Review, then we'll take a break. National Review, Trump, the anti-constitutional authoritarian. Liberty lovers, beware. Interesting points made here with links in the article. Uh, Since he announced his candidacy, Trump has threatened to ignore those who are carping about free speech and shut down parts of the Internet. He has promised to summarily deport those who are suspected of being illegal immigrants without due process of law. He has endorsed extensive campaign finance regulations that fly directly in the face of the First Amendment. He has vowed to restrict the Second Amendment rights of those on the terror watch list, again without due process. He has praised Franklin Roosevelt's internment of American citizens, suggested that natural-born Americans can be deported against their will, and proposed that American Muslims be barred from entering the country. He has described as, quote, wonderful, a Supreme Court ruling that obliterated the public use limitations on the invocation of eminent domain and he has refused to rule out registering Americans on the basis of their faith. Worse still, he has responded to the criticism that these positions have generated by channeling his inner Nancy Pelosi. Are you serious? Uh, That's from the National Review. So just things to talk about and to look at, to look at his positions. Listen, this is not a show where where we're playing petty, partisan, pandering stuff. Okay? Politics. 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 Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Long day, guys. This is a show where, as Christians, we're trying to engage the culture with the gospel and the biblical worldview. And we are going to fearlessly, faithfully communicate that gospel and confront these people running for the government of our country and their positions and worldview. It's all right to do. We'll do that with Cruz. We'll do it with Rubio. We played a clip last week from Rubio that was cringeworthy about his memorized canned speech stuff. You know, we're, we're not saying, oh, vote for, vote for Bill. We're not saying any of those sorts of things. Right now, we're, we're actually filtering through the biblical worldview with their statements, positions, and character. We're asking questions. I think it's important. And we'll take a quick break. We're going to come back because we had something interesting happen. 
We posted, Jerry posted a meme. Oh my gosh. Of uh, Joel Osteen and Joseph Prince. And uh, we got a lot of new followers, which we really appreciate you guys listening to the show. We love all of you guys. But people on the page were really, some of them were pretty upset that we would actually go so far as to mock false teachers. How dare we? They were upset about it. And so I think it'd be good for us to go into the Bible and ask questions like, what does God say to false teachers? How do the biblical prophets, how did Jesus speak to false prophets? What does the Bible say? Important stuff. We're blessed by you guys. And by the way, Foreknown, Foreknown was just in the studio, was just on Apologia TV. Mm-hmm. Awesome episode. It was the first uh, live performance we did yes. inside the studio. Can't wait to see that, Marcus. Very excited about it. So can't wait for you guys to see it. It's going to be up at ApologiaRadio.com. You partner with us in all access. You partner with us as a ministry. You join all that we're doing in the world to bring the gospel into the culture. And you get to see all this great stuff. And you get to see John Sampson's new Apology Academy. Can't wait for you guys to see that. Thank you guys. You bless us. Be right back. Hi, this is Jeff Durbin with Apologia Radio. You can get us at ApologiaRadio.com. I'm also the pastor at Apologia Church in Tempe. You can get us at ApologiaChurch.com. I want to invite you guys to join us for worship, the word, and fellowship on Sundays at 4 p.m. And that's Joy Tempe. Hey there. We are a family-integrated church, so we invite you to bring your whole family to worship with us. This is Luke Pearson, the ministry bear, also discipleship pastor at Apologia Church. Like Jeff mentioned, we are now meeting at a new location and time, 4 p.m. on Sunday afternoons at Arizona Community Church. That's 9325 South Rural Road in Tempe. We're meeting in the Community Center, and that is between Warner and Ray off of Rural. Again, you can reach us on them internets at ApologiaChurch.com. Delicious beards are encouraged but not required. <laughs> Glory! I'm Les. And I'm Tanner. And we're the hosts of the Reformed Pubcast. A weekly podcast where two friends get together and talk about the things that they love. It's like all those times you talked about theology over a pint of beer with your friends, but we're just dumb enough to record it. It's the theology of Calvin and the thirst of Luther. Join in on the conversation by subscribing on iTunes or your favorite podcast catcher. It's the Reformed Pubcast. Creatures crawl in search of blood to terrorize your neighborhood. And whosoever shall be found. That's an interesting selection. Thriller? Yeah. You just in a thriller kind of mood? This, this has been a thrilling episode. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> wow. You had to do a lot to get to that. Yeah. Yeah. The funny I'm thing you. is the next the next track is Beat It. That might have been more appropriate. Beat It? Yeah, I guess so. I guess so. All right. So, hey, my, my son Sage is in the studio today. What's up, Sage? Hi. How's homeschool? Pretty good. Yeah? <laughs> How's that co-op? Pretty fun. Yeah? Wow. I can tell you're excited. So, hey, uh... <laughs> Sage, uh, since you're in the studio, what are, what are your feelings and thoughts about the election right now? I think that if you really want to participate in World War III, then Trump's your guy. 
<laughs> I don't think there's anything else to say. Okay. Hashtag homeschool win. <laughs> um, That's really great. It, it really is. It really is. Hey, did you guys get a chance to see uh, Hillary Clinton um, have the coughing spell? A severe coughing oh, spell. Oh, no, that's still Michael Jackson. Did you know that, Sage? Did you see uh, it? She was at an event. I felt really bad for her. I mean, she had this... I'll I let didn't you, feel bad I'll, for I'll, her. I'll let you hear it. She had like I'll a really, honest. really bad coughing fit uh, while she that. was speaking in New York. Inmates. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> Too much to say. <coughs> I mean, it really goes on. I felt bad for her. Like, you would think she would walk off stage or something like that to, you know, catch her breath. So she puts, like, a cough drop in right now. You guys, Hillary Clinton is a human. (laughs) I'm still not convinced. Thank you, Hazel. I mean, I, I, can, oh, wow. I can play it all the way through. I, I don't about even, three minutes. I don't even believe it when she's sick. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's like, how, I just, I'm like, in my mind, I'm like, okay, that's how, what did she gain from that? She's way too gotten. smart to be on stage and continue doing that. That's how bad she's it's gotten. Smart. Yeah. She's trying to look weak. Is that what she's trying to <laughs> I, I, I'm not as awesome as people think I am. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe there's something behind it. I don't know. All I know is I, I did feel kind of bad for her. Um, all right. Just because it went on for so long. Um, all right. So let's talk for a second about uh, false teachers and exposing them. A few of the comments that came through on the page um, just said things like, well, you should pray for them. Um, you know, they're really upset that we're making comments publicly about false teachers. Them. We should pray for them. Predatory zones. And yeah, we and I I have prayed for Joel Osteen. Uh, believe me. And um, I think the predatory psalms are uh, yeah, very good. Yeah. Well, one of the things you don't see the apostles doing. I don't think he meant predatory psalms. No, so. I don't think so. One of the things you don't see the apostles doing uh, or teaching you to do is prayers like that. You see the apostle Paul naming false teachers in the text of scripture, naming them by name, telling people to avoid them. You see the Apostle Paul in the book, uh, in, in the letter of Galatians, he says, I'm astonished, verse 6, verse, chapter 1, I'm astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ and returning to a different gospel. Not that there is another one, but there are some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preach to you, let him be accursed, as we have said before so now i say again if anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to the one you received let him be anathema the word anathema there is probably the strongest word the apostle paul could have pulled from to describe eternal separation from god in hell forever that's how serious the apostle paul treated a false gospel and don't forget the false gospel making rounds in galatia that false gospel was what was that Jesus wasn't God? No. He didn't mention righteousness. It was that you could add a single work of law to justification before God in an attempt to be right with God. And he says, anybody preaching that 
has abandoned grace. Anybody Mm. preaching that is to be anathema. That's how the Apostle Paul treated those false teachers. Is Joel Osteen a false teacher? We've done shows on it, okay? Absolutely. Is, is, Is Joseph Prince a false teacher? Absolutely. Are these prosperity gospel preachers false teachers without question? And they need to be exposed as such and rejected and cast out from among us. I do agree with John Piper when he says he abominates the, the, the prosperity gospel. Let me say, I wholeheartedly agree. One more thing you need to see in the book of Galatians um, that I think is important is uh, this part here. In Galatians chapter 5, uh, this is powerful. When he says, when he's referring to this controversy, he says in verse 4, chapter 5, verse 4, you are severed from Christ. You who would be justified by the law, you have fallen away from grace severed from Christ. Now watch this. He says, you are running well, verse 7. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? This persuasion is not from him who calls you. A little leaven leavens the whole lump. I have confidence in the Lord that you will take no other view. And the one who is troubling you will bear the penalty, whoever he is. Watch this. But if I, brothers, still preach circumcision, why am I still being persecuted? In that case, the offense of the cross has been removed. All right, here we go. How does the Apostle Paul feel about the false teachers in Galatians. Well, he says, <laughs> verse 12, <laughs> I wish those who unsettle you would emasculate themselves. Mm. Do you hear it? That's the Apostle Paul under divine inspiration saying that these people who like to play with knives... Cut off your man bits. Cut off your man bits. I hope the knife slips and you go all the way. That's in divine scripture. That's Theonoustos. Theonoustos. God breathed. The Apostle Paul is saying, I hope these false teachers, he's not saying, pray for those guys. He says, I hope they cut themselves off. That's or, what he says. Or Elijah before the Tower of Baal. That's right. And he says, where's your God? Is he on the bathroom? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Down the toilet. That's right. Here's uh, the book of Jude, New Testament book. We're going to use the Bible as our guide as to how to handle false teachers. The book of Jude says as judgment on false teachers he says verse 4 for certain people have crept in unnoticed who long ago were designated for this condemnation ungodly people who pervert the grace of our god into sensuality and deny our only master and lord jesus christ he says, i want to remind you although you once fully knew it that jesus who saved a people out of the land of egypt afterwards destroyed those who did not believe now watch he says Yet in like matter, verse 8, these people also, relying on their dreams, defile the flesh, reject authority, and blaspheme the glorious ones. But when the archangel Michael, contending with the devil, was disputing about the body of Moses, he did not presume to pronounce a blasphemous judgment, but said, The Lord rebuke you. But these people blaspheme all that they do not understand, and they are destroyed by all that they, like unreasoning animals, understand instinctively. Woe to them. You know what that means? What's woe to them mean? It's kind of a prophetic way of saying a curse on you. Mm-hmm. God curse you. He says, Woe to them, for they walked in the way of Cain and abandoned themselves for the sake of gain, to Balaam's error and perished in Korah's rebellion. They are hidden reefs at your love feast as they feast with you without fear, shepherding shepherds feeding themselves, waterless clouds swept along by wind, fruitless trees in late autumn, twice dead, uprooted, wild waves of the sea casting up the foam of their own shame, <laughs> wandering stars for whom the gloom of utter darkness has been reserved forever. 
<laughs> do you think he's talking about Creplo Dollar? <laughs> Tell him These how you really feel. There. These are grumblers, malcontents, following their own sinful desires. They're loudmouth boasters showing favoritism to gain advantage. That's the book of Jude, y'all. How about this? Someone says, oh, but that's not how meek and mild Jesus... That's not how meek and mild Jesus would handle false teachers. He would never treat them because he's love. God is love. Well, let's take a look. Jesus says in Matthew 23, verse 13, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you shut the kingdom of heaven in people's faces, for you neither enter yourselves nor allow those who enter to go in. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. For you, By the way, how do you think Jesus said that? Do you think he was like... Oh, do you? <laughs> Hypocrites? Please? <laughs> no, I, I imagine Jesus actually throwing down. Yeah. Like, I, can, I think his voice was raised yeah. when he said, hypocrite. And yeah. he says, he says, you travel across sea and land and make a single proselyte, and when he becomes a proselyte, you make him twice as much a child of hell as yourselves. Woe to you, you blind guides who say if anyone swears by the temple, it's nothing. But if anyone swears by the, by the gold of the temple, he is bound by his oath. You blind fools. Wow. So how about, would it be better if we post like stuff out to let people know about these false teachers? If we say Joel Osteen, hypocrite, blind fool. Are we just keeping it real? Are we just being biblical at that point? Look what he says. This is important. He says, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, verse 23, for you tithe mint and dill and cumin and have neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice and mercy and faithfulness. These you ought to have done without neglecting the others. You blind guide, straining out a gnat and swallowing a camel. He says, hypocrites, you clean the outside of the cup and the plate, but inside they are full of greed and self-indulgence. He says, woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are like whitewashed tombs. What's a whitewashed tomb? It's a really beautified grave full of rotting, stinking, dead flesh. He says, you're full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. Lawlessness. And you know what he says? He says this, all the blood of the righteous is going to be upon you, all these things upon this generation. Now, what did Jesus do? to that generation of scribes and Pharisees? What did he do to those covenant breakers, the ones who said, let his blood be upon us and our children? What did Jesus do to them? Well, there were a million Jews slaughtered and a bunch of other ones sent off into exile. So is this the meek and mild Jesus with those who would destroy his truth, those who would come against him as Messiah? No, I think, listen, we're not advocating on this show to walk around being a punk a jerk, somebody that's you can't even reason with. But you know, there's a difference between the average person on the street that doesn't know Jesus that you're trying to reach with the gospel and the false teacher that is leading literally millions of people astray from Jesus, from his gospel. He is walking them into hell. He is a blind guide and a hypocrite. He is out for his own gain. Proof, have you seen Joel Osteen's home? Now, I don't have any problem with wealth with Christians being wealthy and using that wealth for the glory of God. I do have a problem with a minister of the gospel who becomes wealthy because of the gospel and church. I do have a problem with that because if you think of his message, his message is all about happiness, healthiness, wealth. And let me just say this. I think that if Joel Osteen doesn't repent of his sin before God and his false gospel, then right now he is living his best life he will ever live. 
ever. It won't get any better. Jesus says. Jesus says. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's right. Your best life now. Jesus says in Revelation chapter two, listen to this. I know where you dwell. Verse 13, where Satan's throne is. Yet you hold fast my name and you do not deny the faith. Even in the days of Antipas, my faithful witness who was killed among you where Satan dwells. But I have a few things against you. You have some there who hold the teaching of Balaam, who taught Balak to put a stumbling block before the sons of Israel so that they might eat food sacrificed to idols and practice sexual immorality. So also you have some who hold to the teaching of the Nicolaitan, Nicolaitans. Therefore repent. If not, I will come to you soon and war against them with the sword of my mouth. He calls in Revelation 3 people who say they are Jews and are not. They lie. He says they are a synagogue of Satan. You see, this is, I think, one of the things we got to get over in modern day Niceanity. Is the idea that what being a Christian means is that you're just nice all the time. The Evangelifish movement, no spine, right? Never standing for truth. One of the guys, Luke, that criticized us um, for criticizing false teachers, and I think it was so mild <laughs> what we did. Just put it. We said, "Caption this meme." Yeah, yeah right. a picture. We didn't even right. actually say we anything. We didn't say anything. I, I think the picture of of their morning show, the of, was it Joe and Joseph Prince, right? It's probably more offensive than just <laughs> just the fact they did a morning show, right? Is more offensive than anything we could have put on a meme. But yeah, this guy he he says, you know, you shouldn't have done that. And so I clicked on his profile just to check him out because I'm trying to interact with him. I don't usually do that, but I was going to see if I can do it. I'm getting over the flu, a little extra time in my hands. And I uh, saw on his page, big public apology for Christians worldwide, apologizing for Christians. And he says, whoever you are, I love you and I accept you just as, as you are, no matter what you believe. Mm. Wow. This is the kind of person who would say you ought not criticize false teachers right you know the most unloving thing you could ever do to somebody when they're in error and they don't know the truth they don't know jesus the most unloving thing you could do is say nothing to them right and if you got guys like creflo dollar dollar bill y'all and joel osteen and kenneth copeland these charlatans these con artists who are just preying on people with the quote-unquote gospel of jesus christ when you have people like that who are actually destroying people's souls for eternity when you say nothing you hate those people and you hate those men the best thing you can do is confront well of course with love and grace and a settled kind of opposition against it but you need to confront you have to confront if people don't hear the gospel if you don't confront think about everything about the gospel that you know you know it because Christians risk their lives to tell it. Christians died in the first century coming against Rome and its beliefs coming against the religious leaders of their day. They died to bring the message of Jesus into the world. The Apostle Paul is at the Areopagus probably being brought up on charges. They weren't just like, hey, dude, what are you to say? They were, they were examining him. And what does he say under like examination? As they, of course, there would have been people who mocked him, some believed, but he says, God commands men everywhere to repent. That's not a gospel that's like, hey, you guys want to try Jesus out? All right. He'll make your life better. Right. He's saying Jesus is king of the world. He's going to judge the world. That means you too, and you better repent in a hurry. Come quietly. Yeah, that's right. Jesus is the king. How about you come quietly? Yeah. I love that. I'm never going to forget that. So, please. Proverbs 24, I'm just thinking, applies to this. Just like that's the you know the twenty four uh, twelve eleven and twelve is what we use for the abortion ministry. Um, rescue those who are being led to slaughter. It's the same idea. 
you know, we see people being led to eternal slaughter, yeah. if you will, um, by a false gospel. And if we sit here and say nothing, you know, we can't say we didn't know and, and we're guilty of not That's right. saying something to them. Yeah. I think I told you before, my favorite, one of my favorite verses in The God Who Justifies, excellent book on justification by faith. If you haven't read it yet, you need to read that book. It's really, really good. Um, he talks about people who preach false gospels. Mm-hmm. He says they are soul killers. Right. He That's says what think of that, they're, yeah. they're committing eternal murder. Exactly. They're committing eternal murder. And I, I, I have to say this. If we won't handle false teachers the way that Jesus did, the way the apostle Paul did, the way that the New Testament apostles did, if we won't handle them in that way, then do we even believe our message, right? Do you even believe that Jesus is truly the only way to salvation and forgiveness if you won't stand up for the truth? I know it's uncomfortable. Are you, are you kidding me? It's so much easier just to say nothing. Yeah. Seriously, it's it easy. You don't get attacked by anybody. Nobody's right. going to complain if you just shut your mouth and go along. Mm-hmm. You get nothing. And so... It is harder to stand up and to say something, but if you love people, love for God and love for them motivates you to open your mouth and to say something, whether it's coming from within the church or outside of the church. Now, of course, there's issues within a church. We can say, hey, look, you know, I disagree, you know, I disagree. We're going to love each other anyways. We're not going to divide over these issues. You know, Donald Trump's a Presbyterian. I'm not going to hold that against him. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> He's not a Presbyterian. <laughs> Maybe he is being a consistent. <laughs> no, but seriously. The, the, there are foundational issues, like, for example, in John, people deny the nature and person of Jesus Christ. That's something you don't let somebody cross the threshold. When somebody denies the gospel, that's something you don't let them cross the threshold. There's I just issues. think it's interesting, all those times where Jesus was saying, you know, you're two times the son of a devil that you were. All this stuff, all these comments. Uh, he, w- one of the times he did that was in reference to the the story of the widow who you know gave everything she had, and then the rich man who gave like a small percentage. So the context of that is he's rebuking the Pharisees, these people, for creating a system that requires uh, people, poor people, to give a lot of money, right? So that's the context of that sermon. It's not. Oh, she she gave with a joyful heart, you know, one penny, and it was all she had. Yeah, she, the, the Pharisees were bankrupting the poor. Yeah, and so that's the same thing the Word of Faith movement does. So those comments that Jesus made, those harsh, striking comments, are exactly relevant for people like Joel Osteen, Creville Dollar, and and TBN and the Word of Faith movement. Yeah. Well, so. let's uh, let's hear from. We're going to end the segment here uh, just a moment, but let me let's hear from uh, John Piper talking about the prosperity gospel. If you haven't heard this, uh, you need to. If you have, uh, you'll probably love hearing it again. This is John Piper talking about the prosperity gospel. I don't know what you feel about the prosperity gospel, the health, wealth, and prosperity gospel, but I'll tell you what I feel about it: hatred. It is not the gospel. And it's being exported from this country to Africa and Asia, selling a bill of goods to the poorest of the poor. Believe this message, your pigs won't die, your wife won't have miscarriages, you have rings on your fingers and coats on your back. That's coming out of America. The people that ought to be giving our money and our time and our lives, instead selling them a bunch of crap called gospel. 
And here's the reason it is so horrible. When was the last time that any American, African, Asian ever said, Jesus is all satisfying because you drove a BMW? Never. They'll say, Jesus did you do that? Yeah. Well, I'll take Jesus. That's idolatry. That's not the gospel. That's elevating gifts above giver. I'll tell you what makes Jesus look beautiful. is when you smash your car and your little girl goes flying through the windshield and lands like dead on the street. And you say, through the deepest possible pain, God is enough. God is enough. He is good. He will take care of us. He will satisfy us. He will get us through this. He is our treasure. Whom have I in heaven but you? And on earth, there's nothing that I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart and my little girl may fail, but you are the strength of my heart and my portion forever. That makes God look glorious. As God, not as giver of cars or safety or health, Oh, how I pray that America would be purged of the health, wealth, and prosperity gospel, and that the Christian church would be marked by suffering for Christ. God is most glorified in you when you are most satisfied in Him in the midst of loss, not prosperity. There you go. That is Christian. Straight up. That's it. That's the Christian message. Yeah. Not the prosperity gospel. And that is important. So that's how we think you should handle false teachers. Hashtag straight up. Hashtag change everything. <laughs> this is this episode, I'm sure, is going to make its rounds. <laughs> I think, yeah, I think, we might get some feedback. I don't even think we have to ask people to share this episode. I think it's just going to happen. You know what to do. Uh, if you're listening for the first time, I'm Jeff. They call me the Ninja. That's Luke the Bear. That's King Ginger. And we're glad you listened. We have a lot more episodes up at ApologiaRadio.com. That's where you go to get more delicious episodes of our show. You can also go to YouTube. Go to Apologia Studios and YouTube, subscribe to us, look at some of the great content we have up there, our web series, The Plot, lots of actual live, real conversation with Mormons, Jehovah's Witnesses, atheists. Want to let you guys know, we have somebody that supports our mission, Missional Wear, great t-shirts, lots of awesome reform t-shirt stuff, missionalwear.com, they support us, we think you should support them, get a cool t-shirt, and don't forget ReformCon is happening June 1st through 4th. Don't miss it. Get your tickets. Early bird prices are going to end soon. Register and, now. Register now. Come see Dr. James White. Come see King Ginger. Come see the bear. Come and see Scott Oliphant. Come and see John Sampson. Come see everyone from the Reformed Pupcast. It's going to be great. I'll be there too. It'll be awesome. You can meet Sage. Sage, my son, he'll probably be there. You can shake his hand. You can say, what's up? How you doing? That'll happen. All right, y'all. We love you. Bless you guys. Thank you for being a part of our show today. And we will catch you next time. That's the perfect song to end with. Yeah. You got something you want to say? Yeah, I just wanted to tell people to leave a review on iTunes. That'd be good. Yeah. That'd yeah. be good. Mm-hmm. How you feeling today, by the way? You, Feeling you, great. You're over the sickness? Oh, yes. 
The, uh, Apology at Church had the plague it's, sweep through. It's still coming through, Is man. it still coming through? Yeah. Everybody's been sick. I don't know of one person that hasn't got it. Marcus, Sage, me. I haven't got it yet. I got, I got it twice, actually. We've had two different ones. Yeah, they were two different ones. It's yeah. been a crazy couple weeks. My daughter got it last Luke's daughter just got it. My wife had it. My daughter had it. My son had it. Only Sage and Imogen haven't got the worst one yet. But well, it's gone through the, the whole icon church. Plague. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They oh, had Iconorea. Yeah. Icon, our student camp. All the kids, everybody, including the adults, except for two people, vomiting everything all night long. They, they, the norovirus they got hit by. It was epic. It's literally the worst thing I've ever heard of in my life. <laughs> it was actually Icon. That's what it was. <laughs> all That's right. why I shouldn't have youth groups, but... <laughs> well, we have family integrated church. I know, I know, I know. Okay. <laughs> All right, we love you guys. God bless you guys. Thank you so much for supporting us and praying for us. We'll catch you next time.